Hello, and welcome to another episode of Yoga for the Revolution, a show about self-care in the age of resistance. Today, we're going to be talking about the change of seasons, opposites that balance, and like things that increase things like it. We'll talk about Maslow's hierarchy again and run through some basic principles. You could call them tips and how we can adjust our lifestyle accordingly using the ancient wisdom of Ayurveda. Also, I want to talk a little bit about the revolution. We talk about yoga for the revolution, and what does that really mean? It means we want to fight the forces of corruption and selfishness that are in the world. We want a revolution in the way our society sees and treats all of its citizens. But I also want to say we're looking for revolution in the way we think and feel. In order for change to happen in the world, we need to change. And so that starts inside. The revolution starts inside. That's why the tools of yoga, like awareness, observation, non-judgment practices, breathing practices, that's where all of that comes in. Because the revolution isn't just outside, it's inside. My partner and I have wildly different internal temperatures. That is to say, we experience temperature differently. Uh, Today, he wore short sleeves, and I'm wearing a heavy sweatshirt and fleece-lined slippers. We often don't agree on the ideal temperature in the apartment. Last night, he said something that made no sense to me. First, he said he was hot, but then he said he wished it were warmer out. So after going around and around a bit, we got to a place of understanding. If it were hotter outside, the AC would kick in. And then he wouldn't be so warm inside. Mind blown. To be fair, he did raise the idea of opening a window, but then flies, mosquitoes come in. That's a constant battle. So that was a no-go. It is important for me to note he gets the idea of, you know, temperature inside and outside. But the reason why I'm telling this story is to illustrate that most of us do not experience the seasons in a natural way. We mostly live inside. We don't experience the outside world in a natural way. We've built a world where we have shelter and we have technology. We live and work inside, sheltered from the elements, and we have food refrigerated, shipped in from everywhere, so we're not limited to what food is in season. And for the most part, this is a miracle. It's allowed us to survive, to thrive, to be comfortable. Now, of course, recently we've seen the devastation of Hurricane Harvey and Irma, where no amount of technology could protect the people in its path. Without getting too into climate science, it's a powerful and sobering reminder of how far away from nature we're used to living. And for the most part, this safety and security is wonderful and devastating when it's lost. I am acutely aware of discussing health and wellness when so many people are bereft of their very basic survival needs. So before I get into ancient lessons of optimal living, I need to talk about Maslow's hierarchy of needs. On the bottom, most basic layer are survival needs on the animal biological level, food, air, water, shelter from the elements. Safety is next, health, well-being, personal, financial, psychological security. Then on top of that, we get social belonging, community, interpersonal relationships. On top of that, esteem, the need to be respected, self-esteem, self-respect are here. Then self-actualization, realizing your dharma or your own full potential, altruism and spirituality live here. 
Of course, this is all a little fluid, but for the most part, if someone has been in the path of tragedy, they're not necessarily looking to fulfill their best potential as much as they are looking to satisfy the basic human needs of food, clean water, and shelter. So in this context, in this podcast today, when I talk about connecting to the natural world, I am not satirizing tragedy. I think events like these natural disasters call us to be closer to the earth, not further protected from it. If we live closer to the earth's natural rhythms as a whole society, we might more urgently address climate change. Right now, we have the privilege, the luxury of ignoring it for the most part until these things happen. As an individual, however, our connection to the natural cycles and rhythms of the earth is a matter less of basic survival, though some would argue that, and more in line with health and well-being. So let's talk a little bit about Ayurveda. One of the things I love about Ayurveda is that it's a common sense system of living in the rhythm of the natural world. It seems like a fancy word, like it's going to have all sorts of complicated principles that are hard to follow, but it's not. When it's nighttime, sleep. When it's daytime, work. That makes sense. When it's summer, eat cooling foods. When it's winter, eat hearty foods. Sure, we could see that. Don't drink smoothies in the winter. Don't give a kid with a runny nose a giant glass of milk. That one, all right, it might seem a couple steps away, but it's really all part of the same system. For now, we'll focus more on the seasons and get to the dairy thing maybe on another episode. We've talked about Ayurveda before, episodes 11, 12, and 13, but I'll go over some basics again here. Ayurveda is based on a system where everything in the world, a person, an apple, a chair, a dog, is made of some very specific combination of 10 qualities and their opposites. Certain groups of these qualities together make up the three doshas. These are vata, V-A-T-A, pitta, P-I-T-T-A, and kapha, or kapha, K-A-P-H-A. And these dosha apply to people, to seasons, to times of day, and times of life. Here's an example. The qualities of pitta dosha are oily, sharp, hot, light, fleshy smelling, spreading, and liquid. That just is. That's something that's written by the people, not just who are channeling information from the universe, but people who studied the world around them intensely thousands of years ago. Let's use a personality type example to showcase what a pitta, hot, light, sharp personality might be. A pitta person might be ambitious, driven, quick-witted, smart, sharp tongue, influential. The spreading, that's the influential part. The sharp can be quick wit, biting sense of humor, driven, focused. A lot of celebrities are like this, a lot of politicians. That heat can be like a laser focus of drive and passion. You might see that in an athlete. Now translate that to a time of life. The pitta time of life is our householder stage. It's when we're making our way in the world, leaving our mark, working our brains a lot, working late hours, becoming who we are and moving forward with drive. It's when procreation happens. It's when career is moved forward. It's oily and juicy and spreading. We are lush. And that's, you know, that's early to midlife. 
if we apply that to the seasons. The pitta season then is summer. Summer is hot, pitta is hot, sweaty, fleshy smelling. Plants are bursting, vibrant, and lush. That's how pitta works in a number of different examples. So let's look at vata. Vata is dry, light, cool, rough, subtle, and mobile. Let's think of a personality type here. Someone creative whose mind is going different places, having ideas someone else might not have. They can be a little flaky, right? The mind is off in space instead of in the present moment. That's mobile. The vata time of life, right? If we go to from personality to time of life, that's what we so affectionately call the wisdom years. After the pitta time, when we're older, what happens? We dry out a little bit. Bones become a little bit more brittle. Skin is drier. People tend to get colder faster. They often lose weight. This is vata time of life. Seasonally, then, vata is late fall and winter. The air is crisper, drier, less weighed down with humidity. Windy, that's mobile. Leaves fall, they are dry and rough. Right now, we're transitioning between summer, pitta, and fall slash winter, vata. That's why we're talking about this right now. If we were agrarians, if we didn't have grocery stores or refrigerators, we'd go from eating cucumbers and melons in the summer to oatmeal and stews and breads with jam instead of fresh berries in the fall. But now we eat avocados all year long, right? So what could we be aware of as we transition from summer to fall? I would encourage taking a look at what pitta habits might need to change as we move into cooler, more vata seasonality. In the summer, we may stay up later, longer. It's easy. The days are long. The sun is out. You may have a whole full agenda after your workday in the summer. As the days get shorter, though, maybe heading in early isn't such a bad idea. It's okay to get sleepy and wind down when it's dark out. There's a reason why staying in on the couch is much more appealing in the winter than it is in the summer. We are made to wind down earlier in the vata season. So I'd recommend going to bed a little bit earlier. It may not be practical to go to bed when the sun goes down. Right now, that's around 8 p.m., but you absolutely can go to sleep early. And if you have trouble falling asleep, a sneaky trick is to shut down the phone, shut down the electronics. So our phone screens and our TV screens emit a specific kind of light that messes with our internal sensors and makes our brains think it's daytime. And this isn't crazy tinfoil hat talk that this is a, a real thing that's been studied and published it's totally messing us all up messing up us all if you can shut her down what if you tried to shut down about an hour before bed maybe half an hour what else as the season transitions vata increases the weather cools off and there's a lot of wind or more wind so start to notice if you are more frenetic or forgetful. If you feel like your head is everywhere at once and nowhere for very long, this is Vata's mobile quality. What can we do to balance this? Well, get 
grounded. If our energies are up in the head, too much up in our head, get grounded. Bring it low. Bring the focus to your lower body. There are lots of ways to do this. The simplest might be to go for a walk. Take a few deep belly breaths. If you're at work all day, maybe in the summer, you'd go for a walk to get lunch, get a little sun, take in the day. Keep doing that. Don't just retreat inside. Expose yourself a little bit safely to the season. Wear layers, but don't hide from the season. We lay on the grass in the summertime, and not so much as it gets cooler, but touch plants. Still go walking. If you don't go outside at lunch, then take a few belly breaths. If you can find a place, do 20 squats, a couple sets of lunges. Really, if you get a couple of people to do this with you, it won't seem so silly. A while ago, half my office was really into the plank challenge. At five o'clock, there were four or five of us. We'd all get on the floor in plank pose. And it seemed maybe silly, but at least fun and with a group. If you don't have a group who's into moving with you at the office, just find a hallway, find a stairwell, get some energy moving in your lower body. Bring your attention to your lower body and that will help ground you. Next, dry. Anyone get winter skin? It's dry, rough, maybe itchy. That's vata. Easy solution here, start using more oil. Think about that, summer is oily. Pitta is oily. Do you need to moisturize as much in the summer? Not usually, unless you are an exceptionally dry person. But in general, most people will need less moisturizing in the summer and more in the winter. This is obviously a generalization. Every human is different. And I will also make a note about seasonality. Not everyone in the country will experience the seasons in exactly the same way. So again, these are general principles. Let's get back to dry. Ayurveda recommends something called Abhyanga. Abhyanga is self-massage with oil. And there are a couple ways to massage with oil. I mean, there are a million ways, but two I'm talking about right this second. One is, after you get out of the shower, you moisturize. And you can do this with just oil. You don't need to buy moisturizer with oils in it. Just use good quality oil. Coconut is great. Sesame oil has a heating quality, so it can be really good for the colder months. The second way is abhyanga. This is more dedicated and time-consuming. Take half an hour or so before your shower and about a quarter cup of really good quality oil. Spend that time massaging the oil into the skin over your entire body. You'll want to use long strokes on the long parts of your body, arms and legs, and then circular strokes around your joints, like elbows and knees. There are a lot of how-tos online for this, and as I'm not an Ayurvedic health counselor, I can't prescribe self-abhyanga, but as a human... I can tell you, another human, it's fantastic. Let's turn to food for a moment. Summer is resplendent with fruits and vegetables appropriate for the season. Summer is hot, so nature provides us with cucumbers and melon. Ah, cooling veggies. And what does winter provide? Eh, not as much. Root vegetables. 
Okay, so what do root vegetables have? Carbohydrates. And carbohydrates give us energy to last through the dry months where not a ton of stuff is growing. We may eat more meat in the winter if you eat meat and have heavier sauces. All of these foods are heavy, dense, oily. All help balance the nature of vata, light, subtle, dry. How freaking perfect is that? Eating oily foods will also help combat the dryness of the season. Keeps our digestion moving. So we oil up on the inside so we make sure things are flowing and we don't dry out from the inside. Like I said, it's a really incredibly commonsensical system. So how do we ease the transition from summer to fall using the principles of Ayurveda beyond what we just talked about? Before we talk about all that, I do want to pause to say thank you. Thank you for listening to Yoga for the Revolution. You can subscribe if you don't already on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, Pocket Cast. Please do rate us if you're so inclined and tell a friend about the show. You can always find all our back episodes on yogafortherevolution.org. You can talk to me on Facebook at facebook.com slash yogafortherevolution or follow on Twitter at y underscore f underscore t underscore r and look for Yoga for the Revolution on Instagram. Programming note, we will be off next week, which is something I do every 10 episodes or so. We'll be back in October with more episodes, more interviews, more yoga, and more revolution. So instead of giving you a list of do's and don'ts, I know, sometimes those feel easier, but that's really a give a man a fish kind of thing, and I prefer a teach a man to fish approach. Here are a couple of really basic principles of Ayurveda. One, like attracts like. Two, opposites balance. Meaning, if you have smoothies and salads in the winter, cold, dry, rough foods in a cold, dry, rough season, you will increase vata, potentially giving you more vata than you need. And you will likely continue to experience imbalances of coldness, dryness, and roughness, either on the skin or in the digestion or mentally, emotionally, energetically. Opposites balance. If you eat meat stew, heavier, oily foods in the winter, you can help balance vata, which is cold, dry, rough. It is windy, get grounded and stable. It is cold and dry, use warm oils on the skin. Simple system, like attracts like, opposites balance. If you are ever wondering if something will balance, look at its qualities. In Ayurveda, we use these vocabulary words, but don't necessarily get attached to needing to use those exactly. Just remember the principles. These are the words we use. Guru, Manda, Hima, Snigda, Shlakshna, Sandra, Mridu, Stiraha, Sukshma, and Vishada. These 10, along with their respective opposites, are the 20 gunas. Gunas are the properties of substances, the qualities. And that is written in the Ashtanga Hridayam. And I'll put those on the show notes if you're interested. But you can also look it up online. But basically, try to assess if something is heavy or light, dull or sharp cold or hot, oily 
or dry, solid or liquid, soft or hard, stable or mobile, gross or subtle, sticky, like cloudy or clear. And you can apply this to anything. You can apply this to your breath. Take a deep breath. Is it smooth or rough? You can apply it to food. Is it oily or dry? You can apply it to a season, to a person, to a state of mind. The beauty is that you can apply it to everything because everything has these qualities or gunas. So as we enter a season that has increasing amounts of dry, rough, mobile qualities, what can you choose to do to balance those qualities and stay healthy? I will make a small note here. Every person also has a distribution of these qualities in a specific balance, and that balance is different for every person. So you may see, and I've mentioned this before, the dosha quizzes online. I was not even going to mention them because I think that they are a shortcut to external self-identification that I don't necessarily think is fully realized and helpful. That said, you are not trying to change your own personal balance. When I might say to try to have heavier foods in the winter and lighter foods in the summer, that is to maintain balance, not to change your own personal balance. It's a wonderful exercise simply to practice being aware of these qualities in ourselves and in the world around us. Notice your own attitude you can do this with a self-assessment in the morning. You know, you take a few moments to have a few deep breaths and you can investigate, what is my breath doing? How do I feel? How am I speaking with others and my partner or people at work? Am I sharp? That's a quality. You can balance that potentially with food or activity, right? Am I, is my head feeling dull and not clear? Okay, good awareness. Now you can look to see if you want to address that with food or with lifestyle. So it's a wonderful exercise, again, to practice being aware of those qualities. And what's more, being aware of the natural rhythms of the season, we can more easily ride the wave. We don't have to experience the negative symptoms of fighting the nature of things. Being closer to nature is medicine. It keeps us healthy and hearty and resilient. And for me, that is incredibly important right now. All of this quote-unquote self-care work, it's not so that we can escape or to feel rich and luxuriate in excess. No, it's so that we can better do our work in the world. I tend to think of these tools as tools for optimal living. This is like training, training for a marathon or training for American Ninja Warrior. How do we fight oppression? How do we help other people? If we're laid out with a fever, suffering from allergies, feeling heavy with overwhelm or flighty with too many to-dos on the to-do list, it is scary out there right now. There's no doubt about it. The natural world and the man-made one. Let's be healthy. Let's be resilient. Let's keep breathing and live to fight another day. I'll be your girl.